The world around us is changing faster than ever before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome to Data Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be brave, and be fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Data Gurus. I am really excited to have one of my first end client guests, Ravi Parswar, who is a VP at Johnson & Johnson. He's in charge of global strategic insights and analytics. Welcome, Ravi. Thank you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Ravi, I just want to kick off by asking you a little bit about your role at J&J so people have some perspective. And also, I know you have a wealth of experience at other CPG companies. So I would love to share with our audience a little bit about your experience and kind of where you are today in your role. Absolutely. So at J&J, my responsibility is to go ahead and lead what we call global strategic insights and analytics. So that's the traditional insight piece. But more importantly, adding on the analytics in terms of how do I go ahead and drive insights from any source. Um, it's a global responsibility across all of the consumer business at J&J. Fantastic. It sounds like you're a very busy person. Try not to be, but yes, these days um, it takes, you know, it, I think that, we, you know, the old Chinese proverb about may you live in interesting times. Yes. We certainly are. I, I, and from your kind of your career history, I know you've had experience at other CPG companies. Are you looking at this time differently than from past experiences in terms of what's going on in the world of data and insights? Absolutely, because just in the last two and a half, three years, I think things have changed drastically. The, you know, we kept talking about big data and the bus these days. Nothing is coming. It's, it's becoming more real for CPG. I used to work at Citibank, uh, as you might know. And when you get, got access to first-party data, the ballgame is quite different. I think the way marketing is moving right now is more on that model, which is more data-driven, more personalized, more targeted. And, and so my experience at Citibank, frankly, positions me and puts much better to go ahead and look at this landscape of data that we have right now and see how best to connect and how best to use that to, for targeted marketing. So when you were at Citibank, it wasn't looking at, obviously we're familiar with segmentation, we're familiar with general market research, but tell us a little bit more in terms of that personalized kind of analytics. How, how do you go about doing that? And, and what was the approach? Absolutely. So traditionally, in, you know, when we talk about marketing, we have, what we're used to on brand positioning is much more of an attitudinal segments. Okay. You know, talking about how, what people feel and need. And frankly, I feel like that, uh, that is going away because behavioral segments are a lot more actionable. So as an example, even if I have an attitudinal segment, I don't quite know how to reach them on mass media. So the segment doesn't really come alive as powerfully as it could when you go ahead and try to reach your audience. What behavioral segments does is to go ahead and make it a lot more actionable. If you bought making it up, one of our products in, in the past month, I know exactly what you bought, 
you know, whether you bought mine or a competitive products, what else you buy, what, you, what are your media habits, what's your digital habits, and I can target you a lot better and more accurately by doing that. So Citibank, frankly, everything that we did was essentially looking at the first party data and purely segmenting people by their behaviors. And, and, and that's how we went ahead and targeted them. A lot faster A-B testing, a lot faster validation, much more of a precision target. It just opens a wealth of opportunities that otherwise we, were not, um, we could not leverage in the past. So how does online consumer research fit into your world of analytics? So, you know, I keep telling my people that insights can come from anywhere. So it's not like talking to people, whether online or offline, is, gone, is going away. Right. It's just that we can get more real-time insights now, you know, by leveraging social listening, by leveraging behavioral information that we get on every single household. So it's so powerful when you start to go ahead and have data at the household level in the U.S. and some of the other developing countries. It, like I said, it's a paradigm shift. It changes the ballgame. And just we need to step in and lean into that future and try to go ahead and build those connections now. And when you talk about first-party data, are you talking about, uh, give us an example of some of the data sets that you might have used in the past or that you're aware of. I, and again, uh, to share with the listeners, I know there's strong confidentiality here, so I don't want you to uh, reveal anything that you don't feel comfortable. So, so feel free to also share that as well as if you can't share it. Anyway. Absolutely. I mean, this is... Um when you go back and look at you know, the banking business or the insurance business, what you have is when we talk about first party data, what I mean is you have transactional information of what your customers do, not just with you, but also in general in the marketplace. So through Axiom and a bunch of other databases, you actually know, you know what zip code they live in, how much they earn, what are their media habits, what's their you know, digital behavior in terms of website visits. The richness of information that we can get, frankly, is, is scary. Um, and, and it's about leveraging that information to enrich people's lives. So not about, you know, understanding people's names, addresses. It's not about that at all. It's all about going, making sure that you reach people and provide them products and services that is more relevant to them that enriches their lives. So as long as you have the consumer-centric view of the goal is wanting to go ahead and make sure that you make people's lives easier, uh, I think it's a, it's a really powerful concept www.datagurusspodcast.com, number one resource for data users and creators. Yeah, I really like that goal of, of keeping the client or the customer in, in the center of all of this, because I agree with you, it is scary when you think about how much access we all have to uh, personal information and behavioral information, but if, if the intent is positive, it feels a little bit more digestible. Uh, correct. And as long as, like, like I said, you know, as long as there's no personal information maintained, um, you know, it's, and targeting is just that, right? I, I don't really know your name and address and I don't have to. Right. And when you think about, so I, I still, I understand the, the level of detail. You still have to aggregate some of that data to be able to execute and go to market right? Because the reality is we can't do one-to-one -one per se, at least that's, I don't think we're there yet. Uh, I know, I know the future holds that when we walk by certain things, things are going to be personalized and we'll see an ad just for me. 
But how do you kind of, where do you take it from the, the most elemental or the most transactional level data to then kind of aggregating it one step further to be able to get, kind of take things to market? Uh, absolutely. So we're not at that place where we can go ahead and target every single person, you know, like Amazon might do. And right. But even there, there's an aggregation. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I think what we need to do is to go ahead and figure out what is actionable. So if you, if, you, if, if the purchase is around publishers, you can go ahead and aggregate the segment by publisher. Right. If it is by, you know, the message that you have, you can go ahead and, and, and aggregate by message. So again, it depends on how you want to action it and how you go to market. You always aggregate it up to the lowest common in a segment that, that is actionable. Makes sense. How about artificial intelligence? How does that fit into your world of research and analytics? There's been, you know, as we get more and more data, obviously humans can't make all those decisions. Are you using algorithms? Are you using flavors of artificial intelligence to be able to kind of parse through this data to expedite the analysis? Okay, I can talk to what we are and sure. we're not using. So I could talk about industry practices. Great. Um, and, you know, um, AI and machine learning, I think, are the way to go. So especially when you start to go ahead and look at big data being defined as volume and and uh, recency, at least those two parts of the uh, um, in a, a data dimensions, machine learning and AI becomes even more important. Um, and yes, there is a you know there is a room for going ahead and using some of those techniques, but there are frankly a lot more low hanging fruits too. So it's not like you have to be you know super sophisticated in going ahead and using those tools. So I think they have they have applicability. Um, but there are also, you know, just simple cross tabs, you know, goes a long way too. Great. Ravi, I'm curious, when you think about uh, people coming out of school and thinking about getting into the research and analytics business, you know, what would you advise them given where we are today? So the number one thing, I think one, two things are not going to change, and I'll talk about what changed. The two things that are not going to change is one about curiosity. I think you need to innately have their curiosity about wanting to know you know, how things work and why you can't make it better and how to make it better. Uh, nothing replaces that. Uh, the second thing I think is a lot more savvy around recognizing patterns in data. And it doesn't necessarily mean that only algorithms can do that. I think human being connects nonlinear dots, at least now, uh, in a much more effective manner than a machine might do. So I think those two important things there is about nonlinear thinking and it's about going ahead and, and being, you know, having that curiosity to kind of figure out how to make things better. Now, what has changed is just the amount of volume of information that's available to us. Right. So the competency that I think we need to build more of is being comfortable with not just collecting data, but connecting data in a unique and different way. I think that's the point of differentiation that, you know, that would drive uh, results in the end. It's not about data by itself. Yes, data is extremely important, but it's around the connections of, of the data and it's about going make, making those nonlinear, you know, uh, connections and then testing it fast. Uh, again, from your past, past life or career uh, experiences, is there an example that you could share with that, us that what specifically that means? Yes. I can. I'm trying to see how 
whether I can do it without mentioning any particulars. There was, and two examples strike come to mind, right? One is, you know, I don't know if I can. I'll, I'll try to make one example up and being generic. So in one of the categories that I worked in, one of the major projects, which is about more than a 1.2 or $1.3 billion brand right now, and triangulating between five different data sets. Okay. And the simple, you know, insight was, you know, I'm trying to understand what drove the category, you know, who drove it in terms of what segment, why they were doing what they did, and what, what was the, the gap in what they were looking for. And that drove to an idea that today is, you know, more than a billion dollar brand. And that came from data. Sorry, that... I can't be specific, but... No, that's great. I mean, it's an example, right? It's not coming from one study. It's kind of looking at a multiple sets of different issues that you were exploring to ultimately get to a new idea. Exactly. And I think that's where the trick is and that's where the future is. It's not about just relying on one data set to go and make things happen. It really is about having the savviness to triangulate between several and some may be quote unquote big data and some may be, you know, small data. Sure. It's all about that. It's all about bringing it together. And I keep telling my folks that, you know, one plus one is 11. And it's that 11 that we want to aim for. And, and, and are people understanding that shift internally? Uh, or or I, I would actually ask you as a research industry, are you seeing uh, us making that shift? Slow, but steady, I think. I think change is always difficult. Uh, just as human beings, I mean, we don't, we don't like change. And it's not any different in, in the research industry. Um, I think, you know, if we don't change, we're obsolete. So for me, there's a sense of urgency. I think for me to be relevant, we have to change. Uh, and I do think that we are changing. Um, maybe in my perception, maybe not as fast enough. Um, no, but definitely we are. Yeah, I think there's a lot of critics within our industry that, that say, you know, if we don't accept and embrace this change, we are going to be obsolete. And, and there's a real concern about that. And as we kind of uh, expand our purview of what research is by bringing other data sets into the fold, using technology, we're kind of blending the industries and ultimately you know, it, it, this is our business to have and our kind of discipline and, and that shift is, is, is Definitely a slow one. Uh, I think I would agree with you in in some respects. Yeah, and again, you know, one of my mantras is also always that you know, in the future that we live in, if you don't learn a new skill set every five years, you're obsolete because things are changing so fast. Right. Um, so the mindset of having to go ahead, you know, being the continuous learning mode, I think is critical and it's important. I agree with you completely. Navigate the data system with Data Gurus, www.datagurusepodcast.com. So with that, I'll ask you my last question. What are the new skills you've learned in the last five years? Oh, gosh. Okay. Several, <laughs> several. You know, it's, it's, you know, I don't talk about my background, but, you know, I, I'm an engineer by training. My original training was a lot more about computer models and solving partial differential equations and very mappy, if you will. And frankly, what I've learned is I've learned the balance between the left and the right brain. It's that combination that really kind of propels and differentiates you. And what I've learned is how to strike that balance. How do you go ahead? I keep telling my people that trust your gut, but validate. Right. 
because we make those nonlinear connections as human beings that are unique and different. So never let go of that. Never let go of your passion and the ideas that you believe in. That's what makes it happen and that's what makes it real. But just validate it because right. now data allows you to do that in a much more agile way. That's great advice and that's great learning. And I think it's a, it's a skill that we all are kind of moving towards. I, I think it's difficult to balance the creativity in uh, the left and the right brain, as you mentioned, because I think we tend to focus on one side of the brain. And I do agree with you that a lot of our future is, is either working in teams with left and right side brains that are blending the two together and in a much more team-oriented way. Absolutely. You, you, that's, you hit it on the head. I think diversity of the team, diversity of skill sets, diversity of thinking, diversity of industries that you worked in, I think that's the magic formula. That's great. Ravi, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. And I look forward to keeping in touch with you. Thank you. Great. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended. But your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.dataguruspodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.dataguruspodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.